today on Growing Through Grace. Let me ask you, does your family know of your faith in Christ? Does your neighbor, have you told your neighbors? Have you worked it in of your conversation at your job? Do your coworkers know? Or are you just like the guy in hiding? Will you be responsible for them or not? You're listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jacob Elam of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. It's good to have you back with us, and we'll continue by picking up where we left off yesterday in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 28. Pastor Jack is teaching us through the goal and conviction that Paul had to go to Jerusalem, regardless of the cost. In doing so, Paul wants to leave the elders in Ephesus with encouragement and direction for the church, how they should give their sheep the whole counsel of God. So let's listen in to the conclusion of this message. Here's Pastor Jack. Look, if you have the cure for cancer, and you didn't tell anybody, and around you people were dying in the hospital, but you knew, you said nothing, that's a pretty culpable place to be. Well, you know the way of eternal life. And the people that don't know it are not going to hear about it unless you tell them. And Paul was able to say, leave in a place after three years. I've never hidden a thing of God's word. I've told everyone what what, what God has shown me. I haven't haven't failed them. I haven't shunned the scriptures. I haven't set things apart. I haven't just, you know, selectively taught. I've declared the whole counsel of God's word. I'm innocent of their blood, literally of their life. I'm off the hook, Right? Driven by the understanding that there is a responsibility that comes with knowledge, Paul just couldn't sit back and enjoy eternal life and forgiveness of sin while people around him, unaware of it, were heading for a hell in a handbasket. It drove Paul. But he says that to these elders. I want you to be like this now. What a statement Paul makes. I, I don't know if that moves you, but, but let me ask you, does your family know of your faith in Christ? Does your neighbor, have you told your neighbors? Have you worked it in of your conversation at your job? Do your coworkers know? Or are you just like, you know, the guy in hiding? Will you be responsible for them or not? It's heavy duty. I get it. But I just want you to see Paul's heart. Paul, Paul's going to his death, he thinks. And, and he looks over his life and said, I, I've done the right thing. I've gotten that word out there. I, I haven't put it off. I've risked everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. That was, which was blessed, that which seemed offensive to people, that which was well-received, which, which no one would receive. I guarantee you, if you start sharing the Bible in our world, you're going to get a lot of people turning against you. But Paul wanted to be sure that the leaders in this church, when he left, would do the same thing. In other words, that the witness in, in Ephesus was going to continue without interruption. In fact, this is what he says in verse 28. Therefore, because of this, wherever there's a therefore, there's a wherefore. Therefore, you should take heed to yourself and to all of the flock, over which the Holy Spirit has made you to be overseers, that you shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Awesome verse. Great call, I think, and challenge to these men in ministry. But, but I want you to know, there's a couple of things. Number one, there is that, that, that hint again of the Trinity, right? The Holy Spirit made you as overseer. It is God's church. God purchased that church with his own blood, God's own blood. Jesus and God and the Spirit laced it just together there in that one verse. 
But, but here's his counsel to these men. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, my life is now going to be over as far as we know, as, as far as what's waiting for me, because I, I have, you know, been faithful to tell every man God's whole, whole counsel, therefore this is what I want you to do now that I'm leaving. And he starts with this, take care of yourself. Take heed to yourself. Proskeo means to pay close attention to you. If there's any place in the Bible where selfishness is approved, it's here. Take care of you first. You want to be good at anything you do spiritually? Make sure spiritually you're in the right place. Take care of you. You first, right? You, you pay to- close attention to your own fellowship with God because ministry, true ministry, is always in the Bible an overflow of what your life has personally. In other words, you're not going to look, it's not like business where you can learn a craft or go to school and get a degree. Ministry is a, an overflow of your relationship with God. The closer you are to the Lord, the more you take in, the more you receive, the, the, the more obedient you are. It just it exudes out of your life. So guys like Moses, you watch him for 40 years with people that are going nuts around him, but he just stays the course. Guys like Joshua, he just can't move out of that place because he's locked in. So Paul says to these guys, you want to do well in the years to come as the church pastors, take heed to yourself. First and foremost, the best preparation is not a seminar, <laughs> It's not some school class, not, not, not a, you know, a seminary. It is your relationship with God. Nurture that. Do that first. Take care of that more than anything else. If you want to prepare yourself for ministry, if you want to endure what you're going to face, if you want to persevere in faith, then your relationship with the Lord needs to be strong and sure. Be selfish in your personal devotions. When we have people that are involved in church here. We tell them, We'd like to get you to church twice a week. That can't always do it, and we try to work with them. But, but we do that for their benefit, not like the rules, like if you pass and get a check mark, you know. But if you're not taken in, you can't give out. If you're not growing, you're of no use to anyone. We don't need another usher standing at the door looking out the window. We need ushers that love God and love his people. But in order to get those people, we're going to have to have them in relationship with God. And if they're in relationship with the Lord, then they'll do fine. We don't need another guitar player unless the guitar player is singing to Jesus because his heart is there. And that's what matters. And then God can bless him, and we get blessed. It isn't this talent, it's his devotion. The talent's secondary to the devotion. It has to be the relationship that you have with God personally. So spend time with the Lord. You want to get ready for anything God's called? Get your relationship with God as good as it can possibly be. I won't need you to tell you to go to church if you're walking with God. You'll be here. I don't need to tell you to go start praying because you're praying. You're in relationship with the Lord. You're, I'm going to tell you to read your Bible. You're going to get the Bible. You can't wait to get it out. Like that new believer. Oh, I read 2,700. You know, they get great. You go to new believer class. I'll tell you, they read 300 pages. I go, what did you read? You go, I don't know, man, but it's great. They're just hungry. They're just hungry. They'll eat anything and they'll, you got to watch over them because they'll eat anything. Even the false doctrine that flows along. Abraham so loved the Lord that when he was wandering in the place of promise, every place he stopped, and I think I mentioned Sunday, he built an altar of worship. Because he worshiped God, God blessed Abraham. He gave him lots of sheep, which meant he had to dig lots of wells to provide them water. When his son Isaac came along, he looked at his dad's life and he'd assumed that Abraham was successful because he dug wells. So you'll find Isaac digging a ton of wells but not very many altars. In fact, the two wells that he dug that had the, the greatest influence, if you will, was named Sitka and Isaac. It means strife and contention. That's where Isaac ended up. He looked at his dad 
didn't see that relationship with the Lord, so tried to follow his outward activity, if you will. Then Jacob comes along. He doesn't build an altar or dig a well. He believed that flocks could be grown through genetic engineering, which he was really good at in Genesis chapter 30. Fortunately, God would retrieve his heart in a wrestling match one night. That's what they were gambling for. And the hill catcher became a man that was governed by God. But that's often how ministries fall apart. People fall in love with the Lord. They, they want to serve. They, they get excited about what God is doing. And then they stop maintaining their relationship with the Lord. They get too busy for God to spend time with God. They get the, they're, they're the Marthas in the kitchen, never the Marys sitting at his feet. And so they burn out and they get tired and, and they complain. And no one's, they, they usually turn on people. If you don't care, I don't care. I work my butt off and you don't even show up. Ah. You get a lot that a lot. If you love the Lord, it doesn't matter to me. What, to me, what you do or don't do, I mean, I want you to do well. But what you do or don't do has nothing to do with my relationship with the Lord. Because that's going to stay no matter what you do. I, that's, that's, that's my conviction, right? So I can't be turned off by you not showing up or you not being faithful or you, not, or you being angry or saying the wrong. It doesn't matter. Because I've got to stay right where God and I have a relationship. So if you have that part right, I think everything else will be fi fine in your life. But, but look at the Ephesian church, this church, who Jesus has to write to in you know, 50 years down the road. And, and, and what he says to them is, you're really busy and you're really big, but you've left your first love. That was his only complaint. In other words, the reason that you're doing what you used to do and what you're still doing, the, the, the motivation has changed. It used to be a love for me. Now it's just the machine has to, has to be greased and has to be maintained and watched over. We're all still really busy, but we don't really care why we're doing it now. Wrong motivations and purposes can replace overflow in my life, which is why Paul says to these guys, look, keep yourself together. Timothy was maybe 40 years old when Paul would send him back to pastor this church. Young guy, but real young for the pastor at the time. But when Paul wrote his first letter to Timothy, and Timothy was not a type A guy, he was kind of a type B guy. And Paul was forever going, come on, stir up the gifts that's in you. And I prayed for you and stick up for these guys and talk to these guys. But he says in chapter 4, verse 16 of 1 Timothy, take heed to yourself. Be sure that you're doing well. Take heed to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in so doing, you will both save yourself, comma, and those who hear you. So, Timothy, you want to be effective there? You stay close to the Lord. Be sure you know what you believe and why. And then as, they, as you walk in that life, then not only will you be saved, but, but others will get saved watching you. It's, it's that overflow that matters. When, when he wrote his second letter to Timothy uh, several, several years later, Paul said to him, Timothy, in a, in a grand house there are vessels of gold and of silver, but there's also vessels of earth and of wood, and, and some are honorable and some are dishonorable. If you will purge yourself from these things, he had made a whole list of sinful ways. He said, if you can get these in your, out of your life, then you can be a, a vessel that is honorable and is set apart for God's use and prepared for every good work. So Timothy, stay away from youthful lust, follow after righteousness and, and, and peace and, and joy and love with all those who call upon God from a pure heart. His, his counsel to a pastor was, keep yourself close to the Lord. It's all about your relationship with God. And I would say that that's true today too. You'll, you'll serve best when you're doing it out of a loving relationship with God. God, speaking through Paul, says to these men, for the last time, take heed to yourself. You watch over yourself. And then over the flock, right? First in your life, then to the lives of others. Here's how the old saying came out of, out of ministry school at Costa Mesa. God works in you and then through you. If God doesn't work in you, he can't work through you. 
He, he, he's got to do work in you first. He's got to prepare, prepare the vessel. And then he can walk through. And then you, you, you're not going to get stumbled or turned. And I think every usher and counselor and Sunday school teacher and worship leader, every pastor, you know, uh, nothing happens in ministry because nothing's happening in the leader's life. But if the leader is close to the Lord, life is found in the ministries that they oversee. I like the fact in, in verse here that the Lord calls the flock. <laughs> Watch over the flock. Isn't it nice to be part of God's flock? You know, we've talked, I think, on Sunday mornings before, and maybe you've been here when we did, but sheep are stupid. They're not just dumb or a little misguided. They're just plain out ignorant. They are some of the dumbest animals on the planet. So they, they can't care for themselves and groom themselves and protect themselves. If you get around a corner from a sheep, he'll freak out because he can't see it. In his mind, he doesn't go, oh, he's just around the corner. No, no. You could, hey, I'm over here. He don't care. He don't see it. He's, he'll just drop dead. There's water over there. He won't cross over to go get it. He'll just die in the dirt. Dumb animal. The Lord calls us his flock. And I, I get it. Know ye that the Lord is God. He's made us, not ourselves. We are the people. We are the sheep of his pasture. Jesus is our great shepherd. That's awesome. To the pastors, Paul said, your guys are, are the under-shepherds. He's the great shepherd. At best, you're the under-shepherd. And you've been made overseers, presbyteros, by the Holy Spirit. You have been given a leadership position, an oversight position. Uh, the, the, the Lord has raised you up. And I like that. The Lord has given you this responsibility. You know how you get to be a pastor today in many places? You get to school. You get a diploma. You know the right people. You, there's church politics. There's voting. There's candidating committees. It's it's, a lot of it's very political. Uh, we don't do that here. But oftentimes what you end up is, is, is the will of man and the plans of man and the choices of man in a very weak church where a guy, he just, he's just good at politics. So he, he gets to the front, you know? And, and when he teaches, he, he does it to please the voting committee, not the Lord. When he, when he ministers, he does it to, plea, to make sure his job is secure and his retirement will still be in place. He doesn't do it to please the Lord. That wasn't the way it was happening in the, in the church here. It shouldn't be the way it happens in the church now. We should let the Holy Spirit raise up people that he wants to use because he's the only one that can prepare you for the ministry. Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, now don't be foolish. If you've been gunning the spirit, don't try to be made perfect or, or finish the work in your flesh. When Paul wrote to Timothy, pastor of Ephesus again, he said this, Timothy, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. If he, if he really wants to be an overseer, that's a great desire. That's a, if that's in his heart, it's a personal calling and a desire that comes from the Lord. I, I've said it before, but I'll tell you, that you can't teach desire. You can help people to achieve what they desire once that desire is in place. Can't teach desire. If someone says, I want to be a pastor, I'm going to learn, I'm going to make myself available, that's something only God can do. It's not a career choice. There's not enough money in it unless you're a crook. There's not enough glory in it. People think you're an idiot. And, and they'll tell you to your face, or they'll write you letters without signing their name. <laughs> there are so many ways to be told. There's, not, there's no benefit to it unless it is a calling that you enjoy, that God has called you to, and you go do it. Because the Lord is the one that has called you. Uh, the Lord even goes so far in James's letter there to discourage those who would step into that position without seeking that calling, saying, you know, that they receive a greater condemnation. And the reason is, look, I'm shooting my mouth out to all of you for an hour. That's just today. I've been doing this for almost 40 years, shooting my mouth off for an hour. 
If I'm way off, there's got to be a pretty good, I'm in big trouble. I can be foolish, I can, I can be wrong, but I should try to do that which God has given me to do. Say the things God says, don't say things he doesn't say, and make sure that he's honored and you're, you're blessed. Um, because this is too scary otherwise, <laughs> right? You don't want to mislead people or, or drive them astray or stumble them. But, you know, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. And if we can get you to listen to what Jesus has to say and you follow the Lord, then, then I'll be fine and you'll be fine. So you wait for God to call you, and if he calls you, then it's recognized over time. That's all it is. Notice that, that Paul says here, uh, the, you take heed to yourself, then you take care of God's flock. The Holy Spirit has made you an overseer over the flock, and here's your job. You should shepherd the church of God. The word shepherd, poimino, poimino means uh, do the work of a shepherd, or feed, lead, care for, protect. Uh, Peter will be told that by Jesus. Peter will later write to his groups, feed the church of God among you, take oversight over the church, don't do it out of constraint, but do it willingly. Don't do it for filthy lucre's sake, but do it for a, a ready mind. Don't lord over God's people. Be examples to the flock. Because when the cheap shepherd appears, and that's not you, you're going to receive a crown that won't fade away. Here's your job, pastors and overseers. Do this work and be faithful. How am I to care for God's people? I'm to feed them his word. And it was a serious position because, let's face it, you're not... My flock, you're his, right? You and I together belong to him. So I don't know if you've ever watched somebody else's things. I had a friend a few years ago that was, was watching a guy's house, supposedly, and then the guy's house got broken into and he lost his car. And then his friend says, I thought you were watching stuff. He goes, well, I tried. And he felt horrible. Or if you babysat someone else's kids, those aren't your kids. I hope you're not just letting them run around. What about God's flock? You're God's people. If I, if I lash out at you, I lash out at his kids. If I say the wrong thing to you, if I mistreat you, if I speak evil of you behind your back, now I find myself at odds with God, who's going to defend you. God holds you as precious. Paul said, you feed God's people. It's his church. It's his congregation. It belongs to him. Read Matthew 18 sometime, the first seven verses or so where the Lord says, woe to him who stumbles one of these least kids of mine. And then he talks about cement floaties. Well, he said, you know, a millstone around your neck, go swimming, but it's cement floaties, right? Woe to those by whom offenses come. And then notice what it says at the end of the verse. This, this flock of God, which he, God, has purchased with his own blood. He paid a great price for you and I. We belong to him. Not with corruptible things, not with gold, not with silver. Be careful how you deal with God's sheep. You know, when you, well, I'm sure that some of you do, but when, physiologically, when conception occurs, the, the 23 chromosomes from the man and the 23 chromosomes from the woman bind together to form the first cell. And with that comes the DNA as well. But from a genetic code standpoint, the blood line is always following the chromosomes of the father. So that it is the father's chromosomes that develop the bloodline. Well, Christianity is a blood religion, right? We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. The life is in the blood. That's what, what Noah, um, Noah, now I'm putting Noah in the law. Moses <laughs> said to the people, and, and science agrees. Blood provides nourishment. How many quarts of blood do you have in your body? Do you know? No, five. But eight's pretty close. 
But in every microliter of, of blood, there are five million red blood cells, which are kind of like little rafts, you know? They carry around oxygen and potassium and amino acids, and, and they travel along 60,000 miles of veins and arteries in your body. I don't care if you're five foot two or six foot 10, you have 60,000 miles of, of, of capillaries and all. The blood cleanses, right? Blood cells, red blood cells are meant, they're like garbage collectors, right? They remove toxins, toxins and as they float by. They never take a good, they leave the good, take the bad, they're really discriminating. If you don't believe how that works, just put a tourniquet on your arm and leave it there. Blood will clean or prevent infections from your life. The same microliter of blood has five million red blood cells, has about 300,000 platelets, which are designed to form fibrogens, which, you know, clot over an area so that the red blood cells come crashing into them and they cause a traffic jam, and now you got coagulation. I, I know, I'm talking to you like little kids, but... Uh, if there's not enough of them, you don't clot, you bleed, you still bleed. In that same microliter of, of blood, there are uh, no, 7,000 white blood cells. You have about 50 million of them in all in your body. They're, they're real good at, at isolating viruses, and they die doing so, but you live. They neutralize them. One of the problems we had with, with viruses and, and things like the AIDS virus is that viruses have spikes on the surface of, of, their, of their body, so they hinder white blood cells from being able to you know, these antibodies to neutralize these protrusions. So that's been a big issue. But guys who, that, who invented things like, like Jenner and Pasteur, you know, these, these vaccine therapies that we have today, even get flu shots now made of protein. People that tell me, oh, I took a free shot, I get sick. Impossible. It's in your mind. It's in your head. It's only in your head. I have not, oh, no idea. It's not in the Bible. But if you apply the, the analogy to us, you know, the, the blood of Jesus brings life to us. Right? Unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you have no life in you. And the people went, that sounds gross. And the Lord said, no, these are spiritual words that I'm speaking to you. His blood shed cleanses us. Confess your sins and I shall cleanse you, right? He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. His blood shed gives you spiritual health. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Paul is very interested that these men, as he gathers with them, that he recognizes that, that ministry is a sacrifice. It's a, it, it, there's a cost involved. It's not easy to be a Christian. And, and it wasn't easy for Paul, but he was headed for where he believed God was sending him, and he was all in. He was going to run the race with joy. He was going to finish what God started. He had a message of grace that he wanted to deliver. And though he, he figured this might be the end of his relationship with these men, that, that he wanted them not only to remember how he lived, but he also wanted to remember what he did. He didn't leave the gospel out. He didn't leave the, the teaching of the Bible out. And I think that, that our commitment as a church here has always been to teach the whole Bible. We have several studies during the week, and, and on Sundays, we, we, it's hard to get through 66 books in a month or a year, but we're always updating and trying to pick those books so that you get it all as quickly as we can get it to you, because I think it's important that you know the Bible very well. And Paul ended by saying, that's what you have to do, and here's how you do it. You take care of yourself. And then when you take care of yourself, then you start take, to take care of God's flock. And, and to the point that he places you in a position of ministry, then, then shepherd them, feed them, bless them, pray for them. And then God will use you because this is his people. These are his blood-bought lives and souls. Sobering words from our teacher, Pastor Jack Abelan. We've been listening to a study taken from Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 28. 
This has been the second half and conclusion of a two-part study, and if you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3078. It's always helpful for us to know the radio station that you're listening to, so be sure to mention those call letters when you get a hold of us. And as we're studying the beginning of the church, how about going all the way back to the beginning of creation? It's always good to see the foundations of our faith in the very first book of the Bible. And here in the month of February, we'd like to offer to you Pastor Jack's teachings through the book of Genesis in the MP3 format on either a single CD or a USB flash drive. Pastor Jack takes us to the account of creation, the flood, and the beginning of God's covenant relationship with man through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So if you'd like to get Pastor Jack's studies through Genesis in the MP3 format, either on a single CD or a USB flash drive, or to get today's study, just dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. Again, that's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all of our others available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. That's going to wrap it up, not only for today, but for this week. We do look forward to being with you again in our next program. So until then, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing Through Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California, a Calvary Chapel outreach.